Flashing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's supposed to be a peaceful protest at first, but they clashed with the Mexican law enforcement and they quickly uh, reverted to using violence to get past the Mexican police. It worries me that the border might get closed. We will not tolerate any form of assault or attack upon our border agents like happened yesterday or any attempt to destroy federal property, overrun federal authorities, or bring chaos and violence to American soil. I think the President Trump is sending a message that, you know, if, if, if this gets out of control, I'll shut the border down and maybe make Mexico, even though Mexico has done some, have assisted us by offering asylum to a few thousand of these people, maybe they'll patrol their southern border a little bit more to stop these caravans coming in. We think no human being is illegal in a world of land and colonization. Migration is a human right. Listen all in. We defend all sorts of borders. We defend our borders just a little bit, but now we defend our borders very strongly. And now, Stacy Washington. <laughs> oh, I love it when Donald Trump gets up and starts talking like every man, right? I don't mean every man like every man you know, but I mean every man like every American. And, you know, I, I enjoy people who are loquacious and have uh, prodigious vocabularies. And, you know, the, I, I love it. But there's something about the way Donald Trump just gets up and he just starts shooting from the hip. And if he gets a little bit, you know, if he gets a little worked up, then he's worked up. He's he's not moderated. And that to me is I mean, it's just gold. I just enjoy it a lot. I enjoy it a lot. And and I think what is also so interesting is that. Having now heard him speak at a rally, which was totally different than his other prepared remarks at other events, it was really something to see how he responded to the mood of the crowd and moved about within the discussion um, and, and kind of just whatever he thought about talking about, he just talked about it. And so when I hear him talking about this, this issue at the southern border, I hear a lot of passion in the president about uh, he's, he's concerned. He's got a lot of concern about the way that this is cracking out and that it, it looks bad, obviously, but he's mainly concerned about creating a precedent that would make it possible for anyone who wants to enter this country to completely go around our lawful immigration system and simply come through Mexico. And there's also something that the media they, they touch on it every now and again, but they don't seem to see it there. It's like an elephant in the room that they can't see. And that is that it is Mexico's responsibility to maintain their southern border. I'll say it one more time. Mexico should not have people waiting by the thousands to enter our country through their, norm, their northern border. This is an acknowledgement that they've kind of gotten their way for the past 30 or 40 years, letting their citizens come to America that they, you know, they, they really do think that America is still, it, it's, it's something we got illegally. It should still belong to them. They think that anything we have here, they have a right to it because America is something that part of it used to belong to them. And so the, the, never mind the fact that when we got it, it definitely had, um, 
like nothing there. And we built all the stuff that you're currently looking at. It's not like we took it from them and it was already a polished gym and an economic engine and we took it. It's the, I mean, come on. But we, don't, we shouldn't expect people to actually have coherent thoughts on this situation. So the uh, U.S. Customs and Border Patrol announced that 42 caravan members were arrested on U.S. soil on Sunday. And this was something I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize they'd actually arrested people who'd made it across the border. So there's there's something that needs some razor wire. Like what what how did they get through? That's something that we should be looking at. Send some troops to that section to prevent them from getting their feet on American soil. So they were arrested. And um, this is U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. It's number three. When the threat is to our personnel or to protect others. You've got to do what you got to do. What I find unconscionable is that would, people would intentionally take children into this situation. What we saw over and over yesterday was that the group, the caravan, as we call them, would push women and children towards the front and then begin basically rocking our agents. So there's different types of uh, tools that we use, different types of CS deployment. Um, we try to target specifically the instigators, specifically the person assaulting the agent. Uh, but as you saw from the video, once that uh, chemical is released, it does go through the air. I was in an area where I actually inhaled quite a bit of it yesterday as well. That's what's going to happen in those situations. So this is sad. Um, I, I'm, I'm sad about children experiencing this, but that immediately takes me to how did a small child get to the southern border in amongst a group of raging men and get exposed to tear gas. It's the kind of thing, it really drives me crazy. Because I, I remember when our kids were smaller, and our kids are really close together. So it was it was like one second we had one child, and then the next second it, it was almost as if they just like, uh, by osmosis, and I know that's not how it happened, it, we have three small kids. And so it was my job as their mom, amongst a myriad of other things that I had to do, to make sure that I could contain them by myself because there were three of them and they were really tiny. And so I had to be very, very clear with them. I would give them directions before we would go out anywhere. And so, uh, you know, I used other mechanisms. Like I, I had a double stroller. So our oldest would walk and she would hold my hand and I would use my other hand to push the stroller and the other two would be strapped into that. Sometimes two would walk and I would have the baby strapped to my chest, you know, in, in a front pack carrier. But I had to have a way that I could get hands on those kids and make sure that they were contained, that they weren't, you know, running loose in the street or, or running into groups and crowds and getting lost, that I could maintain command and control over them at all times. And, and we were obviously out to have fun, out to go learn stuff and have fun. And so I, it just makes me think back to that. And I remember there being situations where I would feel a little out of control because there'd be so many other kids or maybe they wouldn't be listening very well, but we would always, after that, talk about it. You know, we'd, we'd, every night before bed. Did you have fun today? What did you think about this night? And, you know, when I say that you need to listen or if I say stop or do not go there or this or that, you need to listen to me. And if you don't listen, then we're going to have this consequence next time. And we would discuss that. And it really worked well. And, you know, I, I take no credit for it because I was, you know, kind of a little, I was a little running around doing whatever I wanted to type of kid. But our kids tended to listen to that. And so it makes me think back to that. And then I compare it to like, what situation would propel me to take those three small kids of ours to the border of another country with a group of men that I don't know and have my children exposed to tear gas? 
I can't think of any situation that would make me do that. And and you're you're thinking, well, if you were threat of your life, or but they're not. None of these people are under threat of their their life. They're they're saying that because they've been coached to say that. But current conditions in Honduras have improved greatly. They are not under threat of their lives. They're not coming here because of political prosecution. So that dog won't hunt. I don't want to hear it. There's no circumstance that would make me take my children into a volatile environment like that. I remember canceling events at places where, well, they said that uh, one of the malls here up in North County, every now and again, it would have like a shooting, but they had this mom's group that used to meet there. And I would go to this, it had a huge play area that was brand new, beautiful. And we would go there. And as soon as the kind of negative elements started coming to that mall, first they started on the weekend, then they started on the, the, during the week. And it was kind of disruptive. And one of the moms was like, well, this is the one with the best play area. And the other play areas are so small. We're just, we're going to keep having it here. And I was like, I'm, I'm not taking my kids up there with, you know, I, so nothing's going to happen to your kids and probably nothing will happen, but I'm just not interested in going to a place that, that that's something that I have to possibly deal with. That's, we're talking about a very, very minuscule possibility of something happening. And I was just like, forget it. I'm not doing it anymore. What would possess a person to bring tiny children barefoot in a diaper, which, I mean, again, everybody else is dressed well. They're being paid. They have medical caravan that's traveling with them. You're telling me they don't have any flip-flops for these kids? They don't have any pants for these kids? Again, staged. Again, a hoax. Again, playing with our media who are so gullible and susceptible to anything that's anti-Trump that they're willing to actually peddle that garbage to you if you're willing to just... Hey, I believe whatever I see with my own. Don't believe your lying eyes. They're setting this stuff up and lying to you. So, yeah, I would I would cancel stuff. Just and the, we're talking about right here in safe as as houses America when the kids were small. And I'm still kind of like that. It's, and that's just me. I'm much more security minded. My dad's in law enforcement. Growing up with my dad being active duty military and in law enforcement, it was just it's that's just the way it has always been. But I think it's kind of crazy that we're supposed to believe that these are good parents that are bringing these kids up here and putting them in harm's way and that a few children in the caravan is supposed to mean we just open the floodgates and let everyone in. All right, so I want to switch over. Um, This story is going back to the universities and how people just absolutely seem to have this hatred for Chick-fil-A, which is, it's the Lord's chicken. And when we get up to heaven, I think there's going to be a special, like a special area where we can eat Chick-fil-A, like 24-hour Chick-fil-A. We'll always be able to eat it. Like we're always going to have access to it. That's just the way I feel. So students at Ryder University last spring supported opening a Chick-fil-A on campus. Now, this to me is kind of crazy because I thought campuses, college campuses and things like that used what was most popular to determine what they're going to open on campus. That's what I thought. Like it's, you know, if something is super popular, a special kind of pizza or whatever, they, that's what they open on campus because they want the kids to eat on campus instead of leaving. But apparently that's not the only consideration because they were given a survey. The students were given a survey. Here are some options that we're considering adding to the campus for eating. Pick what you'd like. Well, the kids overwhelmingly chose Chick-fil-A. So then Ryder's administrators, Ryder University, their administrators sent out another survey. And this time, the survey did not have Chick-fil-A on it. 
So in other words, they chose Chick-fil-A and the university administrators were like, we are not opening a Chick-fil-A here. Send them another survey so they can make another choice. So they say that they removed Chick-fil-A as an option after a difficult assessment of competing interests in which the university found that the chicken restaurant is widely perceived to be in opposition to the LGBTQ plus community. This charge stems from the fact that Chick-fil-A's late founder, S. Truett Cathy, and his son, CEO Dan Cathy, support the biblical definition of a family unit. Now, I want to know what that has to do with chicken and how it tastes. Because last time I was at Chick-fil-A, and every time I've been there, I've never seen any signs that say that they won't serve anyone who's suffering from LGBT. I haven't seen any signs or any kind of indications that they would ever turn someone away when the LGBTQ people brought their kissing, you know, protests into the Chick-fil-A. They were served water if they refused to order and they were welcomed. Every single chick, it's a pleasure to serve you. They did not change their mantra in one bit. So what is this idea that because the owner and founder and his son have had um, a very open it's their right, their First Amendment right to speak about what they believe. It doesn't change the way the chicken tastes. I can tell you, back when they were having the protests, I was eating the chicken. When Now that they don't have the protests anymore, I've eaten the chicken. At no point has the chicken changed or not tasted well. Um, it, you know, There's nothing going on in the restaurant other than the, ch- the serving of the chicken and a few other items, but mo- mainly just the, the, the delicious God-ordained chicken of Chick-fil-A. So writers, president and vice president for student affairs wrote in a statement that, that it would value that it would violate their values of inclusion to allow a Chick-fil-A franchise to sell chicken on writers campus. Now I'm going to tell you some some enterprising entrepreneur is going to stand up a uh, Chick-fil-A franchise within walking distance of the university and the students will still be able to get some of that delicious chicken. Because that's just how good God is. You know that's going to happen. And I'm so excited about it. I can't wait to report that back to you, but it hasn't happened as of yet. It, their quote is, writer president Gregory, Gregory G. Del Omo and VP for Student Affairs Leanna Fenberg said, their choices in this situation, like in so many others, were imperfect. They challenged us to reflect on our values and consider what kind of community we want to provide for those who live and learn at Ryder University. Ultimately, we decided to lean in the direction of creating a welcoming environment of blah, 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 no godly ordained yummy chicken. When we get back, we're going to have more for you. (laughs) Keep it here. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, our tours each year fill up quickly. And so I'm letting you know now, uh, don't tell anybody else now, that the uh, 2019 Spiritual Heritage Tours are planned for June and for September. So if you want to go this year, that is 2019, you need to let us know as soon as you can. Visit the website spiritualheritagetours.com spiritualheritagetours.com again those are two separate trips one to Williamsburg, Jamestown and Yorktown and the other one to Washington D.C. and George Washington's Mount Vernon. Stephen McDowell who's the president and founder of the Providence Foundation is our historian and he'll be on both trips 
telling us the behind the scenes and the stories of who, what, when, and why. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. During the last election, health care was a big issue. The major provisions of the Affordable Care Act took place five years ago, and insurance premiums have more than doubled for both individuals and families. The solution proposed by a number of candidates was to move past Obamacare to Medicare for all. Scott Atlas is a senior fellow at Stanford's Hoover Institution and has run the numbers. He exposes the false promises of Medicare for all in a recent op-ed. But you don't actually have to run all the numbers. Just look at what is happening in other countries that have a single-payer system. First, there's the enormous cost. In order for Britain's National Health Service to stay afloat, the government must tax its citizens some $160 billion a year. California considered implementing a single-payer system until politicians realized it would cost $400 billion a year. That, by the way, is twice the state's annual budget. And in previous commentaries, I've quoted from one study that estimated that Medicare for All in America would cost more than $32 trillion over the first decade. And the same study concluded that doubling the federal income tax and corporate taxes wouldn't be enough to pay for it. Cost isn't the only problem with a single-payer system. Scott Atlas reminds us that nationalized programs have consistently failed to provide timely, high-quality medical care compared to the U.S. system, and long waiting lines are typical. England last year had a record number of patients on the National Health Service waiting lines, and thousands have been on that waiting list for more than a year. Medicare for All has been a nice slogan, but the enormous cost and the inevitable reduction in timely health care are just a few reasons to reject this false promise. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. This whole caravan in the last week of the election is a giant lie. They've been running on an imaginary caravan. An imaginary caravan. This cooked up, phony caravan. This fantasy of this caravan. Bogus caravan. I mean, it's not a real event, the caravan. The caravan lie. I wouldn't be surprised to find out if Steve Bannon was down there, you know, hiring migrants to to join the caravan. There is no evidence of any criminals in the Central American caravan. It's criminals in here. I mean, it is. Homeland Security says a good many have criminal histories in that caravan but it has not yet provided any proof or details. Unfortunately, some of the people in the caravan have been very violent against authority. Caravan of barefoot women and children seeking asylum in the United States. This caravan, which is a thousand miles away and made up of women and children. Mothers and children seeking refuge. caravan, uh, which is mostly women and children. (laughs) Women, children, babies. There's nothing at all to worry about. This is Trump's Reichstag fire. It is a lie. Notice how they always use the uh, Hitler imagery to try to invoke against President Trump. And I just I have a couple things to say here and and uh, bookmark it for posterity. You can always find this on the podcast. Look, President Trump, because I'm I'm very, very candid about the things, you know, in his background that that 
don't comport well with what we would see as a leader. But I've also been very, very candid about how if we look in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, we look at the people that God used to bring about his will. They weren't the paragons of virtues. They, they weren't the tunic vest wearers of their day. You know, they didn't have sweater vests back then, but they had tunics. They weren't the tunic vest wearers. They were some of them people who'd made terrible, terrible blunders, errors, mistakes, and willful, sinful, uh, you know, actions, and God still used them. So for God to use Donald Trump, Donald Trump only has to be willing, and clearly he is. If you look at the list of promises that he's made, and the, the number of those items that he's been able to literally take a whiteboard marker and draw a line through it, done, completed, moving on to the next thing. He is the most honorable presidential candidate on the right that we've had in my adult lifetime. I wasn't a, an adult when Ronald Reagan was the president. So, you know, I, I, let's be clear here. Donald Trump can be used by God to execute his purposes here in America and on this earth. And God's will is going to be done. His will will be fulfilled. And so the issue is whether or not we're going to allow lies, deceitful, horrible, ridiculous lies from the left to impact how we act. Maybe not to go out and vote in, in the, the, you know, the special election. Uh, GOP tweeted this out today, and I didn't, I didn't even know this, and I consider myself to be pretty well-informed. While serving as Secretary of Agriculture, turning to the race in Tupelo that's happening in, in Mississippi, not just Tupelo, but all over Mississippi today, while serving as Secretary of Agriculture, Mike Espy was indicted on 39 felony charges that resulted in the convictions of 14 individuals, $10 million in fines, and oust, his ousting as Secretary of Agriculture. One more time, Mike Espy was indicted on 39 felony charges that resulted in convictions of 14 individuals, 10 million in fines, and his ousting as the Secretary of Agriculture. Their tweet closes out, Mississippians deserve better. You can find it on my Facebook page if you're interested in seeing that tweet, uh, or you can go straight to Twitter, at GOP. Look, as Christians, we have an obligation to see through the deceit and lies of the enemy, and to execute judiciously our duty as citizens to vote. So all of this misdirection surrounding, um, you know, his opponent about her being some kind of a racist, but she was never a racist up until now. Like just now she's a racist because she's running against a man of color. Does, does Does that not stink to high heaven to you? You know, I'm, I'm against racism. You know, I, I have to be. But I'm also against gossips. I'm also against liars. I'm against people who think because of who their family is, they can persecute other people. I'm against people who, if they see you doing something with yourself and you, you're working hard and you're praying over your work and, you, you know, you're over there in your little, your little wheel and you're running, you know, the, the whole uh, mice in the wheel comparison and you're in your little wheel and you're just running as fast as you can and you're breaking a sweat and you're taking little breaks and you're sipping your water and you're just running and they're over on the side plotting against you. I'm against that too. I'm against a lot of things. <laughs> Racism is one of them. But the whole idea of someone being a racist, it's, it's so overused now that, I mean, do you pay attention? <laughs> if you're in your car right now, you're listening on the radio, you're probably thinking, not really. I mean, it's just, but why? Because everyone's a racist now. I can tell you how many times I've been called a racist. 
and not against white people, just a straight up racist against other black people, because I don't believe in the Democrats mantra of victimhood. So this should not deter you. Go out and execute your vote today. You got someone who's going to be a solid, reliable obstructionist to try to put a stop to that next Supreme Court justice, Amy Coney Barrett. And then you have someone who will definitely work to make sure that constitutional judges are appointed and can serve out their their time on the Supreme Court and our appellate and, and district courts. And that's just one of the issues. There are other things that the Senate needs to do. And, and I, I refuse to, uh, you know, bow down to this idea that because the Republicans no longer have the House, there's nothing that can be done in Washington, D.C. You know what? God is real. He's sovereign. We can do more things in, in not just in D.C. We have a lot of power and control over how much taxes we pay and how our lives actually, you know, shake out on a day to day basis in these local elections. And in, in who's on that school board? Which of you who is listening to this audience, who is an Anna, you are a prayer warrior. You believe in the word of God. You know that it's true. Jesus is your savior. You are someone who has a biblical worldview. And you're coming up on that time of life where maybe your youngest child has just graduated from high school. And so you're going to be just you and your husband. And and this is the time where I'm tapping you right now, right here, right now. I'm asking you, would you be interested in giving some of your time on your local school board? your local board of education as an elected official. If I can get on the school board, anyone can. I, and that is no joke. If, if, if I can do it, I literally, when I decided I was running for the seat that I was already appointed to, and I made that announcement, I sent out 125 letters. I was told to send 125 letters asking friends and people that I'd volunteered with or done anything with, asking them for a donation to fund my campaign. And within three weeks, I had almost $3,000. I ended up putting in, I think, $550 of my own money because obviously as the money was coming in, I had a little campaign account. I had a treasurer who was a friend of a friend who had done treasury for other people's campaigns so he knew the paperwork. He opened up an account for me at the bank where he worked and I would deposit the checks in there and then I would write out the checks from my little checking account And I ordered signs and little push cards to hold in my hand. And I spent all the money that I raised. But I was I was literally sitting at the dining room table with stacks of letters from people. First, we sat at the dining room table and had a little stuffing party where we stuffed the letters in. And I'd already typed out the addresses on labels and labeled everything. And me, my husband and the kids and one of our oldest daughter's friends, we sat at our dining room table and stuffed these letters and sent them off. And when the money started coming in, at first I was putting them on the front hall. We had this teeny little table in our front hall at our old house. And there was just this teensy little space. There wasn't a lot of room for a table there, but it was a teensy table and I would put it there. My husband would come home from work and he'd say, oh, you got some more fundraising there. I'm like, yeah, take a look. You, You got some more donations. Yeah, take a look. It got to the point where people were chasing me down, handing me checks. I would literally be at, I was at the grocery store on more than one occasion. Someone would see me down the aisle and come down and say, I'm so glad you're running write me a check at the grocery store and hand it to me. So if that can happen to me, I wasn't on the radio then, I wasn't any, any of this stuff, none of this stuff had, had occurred to me. All I had done was volunteer in my kid's school district and people gave me the money because, and I don't think it's because of me, it's because it was what God had for me to do. So if you're listening to this right now, if you can hear my voice right now, that's not an accident. If you 
are in a place in your life where you have a bit of time. I did school board while our kids were still in grammar and, and kind of middle school age. But it's the time of, of your life where you say to yourself, do I have time to do this? You have teeny tiny kids. You don't have time to do this. Uh, but if you have kids who are school aged, you might have time. Um, I was a stay at home mom at the time, so I didn't have a full time work situation, which meant that I could do it. Some school boards meet twice a month, some meet uh, once a month, some meet weekly. When I got on the executive portion of the board, I was meeting every week, but it was a one hour meeting. So it was doable. The reason I'm explaining this and taking this time out of today's show to talk about is because we are called to leadership as Christians. We are not to be Christians at home praying and reading our Bible and going to Bible study and going to church and not interacting with this world that we live in. Your godly, intentional, what you have, that gift that you have is meant to be used to bring glory to God's kingdom and to help order this civic society that we live in. And so you could serve on school board for one term like I did. You could be one of those you know, you serve on there until you retire from working anywhere. You could be a retiree right now and get onto school board. That's who I served with. A couple of the people were retired teachers and they just had all this time on their hand. And so they decided to serve on school board. Everyone has their own reason, but yours should be that if you have the time and you feel something is going on right now, you, that's how you know you're supposed to be doing this. You hear me talking about it and you know you know, you know why I'm talking about this. It's you. You need to go do it. Go find out when the next filing opens up. This is December. And in, in, in our state, uh, filing for school board opens in December. But in your state, it might be different. Pray about it. Get some information on it. Find out who's on your school board. Um, I guarantee you there's at least one person on there who needs to be replaced by you. No joke. I, I do not waver. I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not having a feeling or saying things just to make things sound good. I'm speaking to you. There's someone in this audience right now, probably more than one person. We're talking about 32 states and all this other good jazz all over the country. This is something that you need to do. Just like when I realized I was supposed to be on school board and I could feel it. I just knew I was supposed to do it. <laughs> I told my husband, he was like, of course, you're going to do it. I said, really? I, he said, you know, you, you know you're supposed to do this. You, you are supposed to do this. That's why she called you and asked you, do it. He was so supportive. And that, that was where I realized, yes, I'm right. Because if he had said, no, wait a minute now, then I, I wouldn't have gone forward with it. So I, you know, do this thing. This, this is what you're meant to do. Your voice there on that school board. And if you're thinking, well, what is one voice? I was one voice on our school board. And over time, my relentless refusal to bow down and to kind of say, well, maybe you're right. I, do, I wouldn't do it. And over time, it literally drug the school board to the right. They didn't turn into Republicans. None of them became Christians. But it, it changed the way they saw the work that they did. Your voice is needed. You matter. God has something for you to do. School board is just one area. There are also uh, municipal, like you got your little county executive, which that's actually kind of a big deal. Those people get paid to do that work. School board, you probably won't get paid to do that um, unless you live in a big, huge area like Miami-Dade, someplace like that. The bigger areas pay their school board members, but for smaller districts and normal, normal sized areas, you know, mid-sized cities like St. Louis, you don't get paid. School board members don't get paid in the state of Missouri. 
but there are mayors there you know you could be on one of the planning and zoning committees in your municipal area or your town these people have a lot of power they can they can tell you you can't have chickens in your yard you can't have a garden in your yard these are the people who make these decisions you can't paint your garage you know you can't have a garage in your house that faces the front these are the people who make those decisions and you might say well what what does it matter freedom matters freedom matters god didn't give us all of this liberty and individual self-control for us to give that away to unthinking, unchurched, not wise people who just want to exert control over us for the sake of having the power. We've got to be in these arenas. We've got to be there telling the truth, speaking the truth, voting the truth, raising our hand in opposition, getting other people to come alongside of us to, to implement programs that will help in the instance of school board it's people's kids. It's their money through their taxes and their kids. It doesn't get more volatile than that. People will call you in the middle of the night. What is going on? I, I had that happen one time. <laughs> I was actually doing a podcast and a lady kept calling me on the phone to ask me about something that was going on. I thought there was some kind of emergency and I realized she was just calling about an issue. I was like, I can't talk to you right now. I'm actually doing an interview, but let me get back to you tomorrow. And so, you know, it's, it's, but it's interesting and it's fun and, and God can use you there. And why not if you have the time? I know a lot of, of, a lot of the whole thing with your kids going away from home, um, we're going through that now with our older daughter. So our oldest daughter is at college now. Our son will graduate in the spring and he will go to college. And so I'm feeling that like, what are we doing? It's just going to be the youngest and my husband and myself and, of course, Bentley, the conserva pup. And I just think about what well, what will I do? I'm I know what I'm going to do. I have I have plenty to do, but if you're in that situation, serving on school board, your wisdom is needed. Get out there, let's get it done. So in the next segment, we will take calls. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Um, if you caught the press conference with Sarah Huckabee Sanders, what did you think? John Bolton was tearing it up. They're both trending on Twitter. Um, so we'll talk about that and we will get into um, some other hot topics for the day. We'll kind of bounce around a little bit on the border as well. I have more for you when we get back. So um, call-ins are open, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Stay right there. Just a minute with Stacey Washington. A Republican from Oklahoma has a plan to fund completion of the wall at our southern border. Senator Jim Inhofe's solution is simple. Reduce illegal immigrants' access to federal welfare and use those savings to fund the wall. Here are the specifics. The Wall Act would require each person seeking to collect the child tax credit to have a work-authorized Social Security number instead of just the child. It would also require that E-Verify be used to prove citizenship. The minimum fine levied against illegal border crossers would be increased. With open borders Democrats poised to take over the House in January, Inhofe's plan should be implemented during the lame duck session. It's no secret that America is a great place to live. Congress should act quickly to end the attraction of taxpayer-funded easy living 
for illegal immigrants. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. So many of our husbands, sons, daughters, and other loved ones are bravely serving our country around the world. For those of us at home, we hold on to our faith to conquer our fear. How do we do this? How can you have the victory over the fear you're carrying right now for a loved one? You can exchange your fear for faith, your panic for peace. Jesus Christ wants a relationship with you, and He offers what you seek. Philippians 4, 7 says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Reach out for this peace right now. Call 888-NEED-HIM or go to www.chataboutjesus.com. You are only one prayer away from the one person who can remove the fear and give you peace. Call 888-NEED-HIM or go to www.chataboutjesus.com. Fox on Faith with Lauren Green. Thanksgiving is the starting date for the holidays, but what if this time of year becomes the most stressful and painful as it is for many people? As the expectations of joy and happiness turn to discontent and unmet hopes, author Lisa Turkhurst. I think anytime we have an experience of life and an expectation of how it's going to be, and those two things don't line up, the fertile ground between those two is where disappointment can grow wild and free. Turkhurst is a Christian author whose new book called It's Not Supposed to Be That way examines her personal pain of two life-changing traumas, marital infidelity and breast cancer. She says she learned why God would allow her to experience pain. God is going to take that hurt and use it for eventual good. I just may not be able to see that right now. She also has advice for people about what to do when the season of merriment and high expectations becomes a season of pain. Repeat this to yourself. God loves me too much to answer my prayer at any other time than the right time. For Fox on Faith, Lauren Green, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, look, I've, I've said it for months now that the reason there's a caravan on the border, the reason the borders, uh, the numbers are high right now, is because Congress has failed to act. They failed to, to build a wall. They have failed to close the loopholes that are causing, causing these caravans. They have failed to raise a bar for asylum. They have failed to give ICE enough beds so they don't have to catch and release. They have failed to uh, change the Florida settlement agreement that we can actually hold families long enough to see a judge. Mm-hmm. These loopholes, I was in, I was up on Hill numerous times myself, meeting with Congress about closing these loopholes, and I've said many times before, if if anybody wants. To put a blame on what's going on in the border is Congress. They need to look in the mirror. They have failed the American people. Look, everybody's watching what's going on right now. And if, if we do not secure this border, if these, if we let these people come in and they get released, not to show up in court, or even if they show up in court, get ordered, don't leave. If we don't have a hard response and, and protect the sovereignty of this country right now, there's going to be more caravans. This is just the beginning. So we got to act decisively. We got the right president to do that. He's taken a hard line on this. He threw the gauntlet down. I, I praise him for that. And we, it, we, all hands on deck. And, and, I, and the game's on. And everybody's watching. Our response is very important to what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, it is. Um, it's you know what else is super important that we keep this in context. Um, There is no country that would permit the storming of their borders. And even if there was, that is irrelevant. We are America. We decide what we're going to do. And it's based on what our Constitution says we can and cannot do. And that's the end of it. And and so 
Uh, that was Homan. He was talking about the president sending a message to Mexico with his threat to shut down the entire border. And that's an economic threat. That's leverage that the president is using to basically get Mexico to move in their own best interests. Until now, we haven't had a president, not one Republican or Democrat, who has required Mexico to hold up their end of the bargain. Just imagine if the shoe were on the other foot and America had a bunch of people from Mexico traveling through our country and we were helping them so that they could storm the border of Canada. What would Canada do? Well, the first thing they would do is say, we're going to shut our border. And then they would say, you know, America, you need to maintain your southern border. And don't think that's what won't happen. If Mexicans and El Salvadorans and Hondurans are allowed to overrun our border and turn our country into a third world pit, then they'll be moving on to Canada. That's what all of the Hollywood stars say anyway. Haven't you noticed whenever they don't like someone who's a Republican getting elected, they say, well, I'm going to immigrate to Canada. They never immigrate to Mexico. They never say, oh, we're going to move to Mexico. They always say, ah, we're going to go to Canada. So that's what would happen. And Canada wouldn't put up with it. They would say, you know what? you got to keep these people in America. That's, that's what you have to do. If you let them in America, that's your fault. But we don't have to let them in up here. We don't have enough room for them. We don't want them. You keep them. And we do have a little bit of that going on already with people coming here as refugees and then trying to get into Canada because they think they're going to be deported from here or people getting in here and wanting to go up to Canada so that they're not deported back to wherever they came from. So a couple of other news items, which I thought interesting. You've got MSNBC not airing the White House press briefing today. Now, people are saying they're they're saying that they they've they're not airing it because they want um, that, that Sarah Huckabee Sanders lies too much. And so they're just not going to give her airtime. But guess what else happened today? So if you missed it, if you if you were out doing work or, or, you know, errands or what have you, and you missed the press briefing by Sarah Huckabee Sanders, it was her first one in a month. Uh, thereabouts. And what's interesting about it is that they have eliminated the cameras at the front of the room that point back to the press corps, giving the press corps basically TV time. So often they would have a split screen if they were covering the press briefing, they'd have a split screen and they'd have Sarah Huckabee Sanders in one section. And then you'd have the camera that's facing the uh, media types, the journalists in the other section of the screen, or they would toggle back and forth between the two. But without the opportunity to show their journalists eyeballing her and being rude, without the opportunity to uh, create this adversarial kind of almost show, like a, you know, almost a, it, it's like a reality TV show that they're trying to create, they decided not to air it. And that's why MSNBC isn't airing it. It, it is nothing more than that. It has nothing to do with Sarah Huckabee Sanders lying too much or any of that stuff. It is because they don't have their, they're mad. It's like a temper tantrum. I think it was so perfect. So I watched as much of it as I could. I, I didn't catch the very first few minutes, but I caught like a few minutes into John Bolton and I watched that. And then I caught the end of it where she got up and started speaking and she was talking, taking questions, you know, normal press briefing style. And there were a ton of questions about Khashoggi, which was so idiotic, like who cares, right? And then there was also this... um this insistence, like she took a question from Jim Acosta, which I couldn't believe, and he tried to debate her the same way he did the president. He was just softer in his tone, but still same debate, um, debate attitude. And mainly they want to try to bring her into the conversation about Manafort, like she knows anything about that. Why would she? She's a press secretary. And then there's this whole issue of 
you, so you don't know who's talking, to be quite honest, because you can't, like, she'll call on their name. I noticed she's calling on their whole name now. But, um, yeah, there, it's, I'm telling you, new day in town. And if anybody gets the blame for it, it's Jim Acosta. They had cameras on them. They had just a, they had a primo situation where they were smacking her around and treating her like garbage and getting away with it. And now they can't do that anymore. There were still some rude questions, but it was definitely a much more subdued atmosphere. And that's fantastic. Um, so the other news out also, I thought this was an interesting development. You maybe saw that uh, GM is closing a couple of their plants in Ohio and um, oh, where where are we talking about? Ohio, Michigan, and Maryland. And Mary Barra is the uh, CEO of General Motors. And apparently those plants are making cars that aren't selling here at all. And so they're going to lay off nearly 15,000 employees. So it's, it's, it's pretty tough news. Um, the U.S. actually saved General Motors. I don't know if you guys remember this, but we bailed them out um, during the kind of too big to fail years when every it was like, you get a bailout, you get a bailout, everybody gets a bailout. But they're not closing any of their plants in Mexico and China. Yes, that's what I said. They're closing three plants in Ohio, Michigan, and Maryland, but they're not closing any plants in... Um, in, okay, that's, that's my oldest child trying to FaceTime me when I'm on the radio. What's going on there? Anyway, um, they're not closing any plants in Mexico and China. You would think that they would close the plants in Mexico and China, but that's where they have all of their slave labor. So the president has tweeted out that they are now looking at cutting all GM subsidies, which you know, raise your hand, church style, just one finger, if you thought that those subsidies were over with. The economy is booming and GM is still getting subsidies. GM is still getting taxpayer dollars and they're selling all those trucks and now they're closing plants. This is the kind of stuff that you don't get to learn anymore on the news because the news doesn't report what's going on. Everybody and their grandparents are talking about uh, Khashoggi, when GM is still getting subsidies from taxpayers, we are still like, I don't own any GM vehicles. What in the world? It kind of, where are we? It's like we're in bizarro world. And every time we think we're out of it, we wake up and we're back there again. So he says, we're looking at now, here's this tweet, very disappointed with General Motors and their CEO, Mary Barra, for closing plants in Ohio, Michigan, and Maryland, nothing being closed in Mexico and China. U.S. saved General Motors, and this is the thanks we get. We are now looking at cutting all GM subsidies, including, uh-oh, for electric cars. General Motors made a big China bet years ago when they built plants there and in Mexico. Don't think that bet is going to, p- to pay off. I am here to protect America's workers. Well, thank you. Thank you, President Trump. So they're idling five factors, laying off. Yeah, five, five factories, laying off 14,000 workers. Um, hmm. She says they're taking these actions now while the company and the economy are still strong to stay in front of a fast-changing market. And she says... Weak new car sales, the president's trade tariffs, which have raised production costs, and the company's previous investment in the production of smaller vehicles that didn't pay off. 
So you've seen those cars, haven't you? They're called smart cars. I don't know if those are made by GM, but they're teeny tiny little vehicles that look like, they literally look like if you walked over, you could pick it up by the bumper and throw it. And it seats two people. And I've seen a few of them around here in the St. Louis area. I know they're popular in areas where people have long commutes because you get like 80 miles to the gallon or something. Well, the president said, and I can't read it verbatim, but generally speaking, he said they better open up new plant in Ohio very quickly. They're playing around with the wrong person. The federal government provides GMS subsidy for their electric car sales, which means electric car sales are not the future because if, you, if it needs subsidizing, it's not doing well on its own and the free market should reign. And the subsidy is a $7,500 federal tax credit for each plug-in vehicle purchased. However, this subsidy goes away once an automaker reaches 200,000 electric cars sold. GM may hit that threshold by the end of the year, making their 2019 and 2020 tax credits smaller. The news of Trump's threat to pull subsidies caused the company's shares to tumble in the stock market. So there we are. I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how, how, how did they sit down and have a conversation that ended up with them um, closing all of the plants in the United States and not closing plants abroad? Why? I just, I just don't understand that. So, well, there it is. That, that, that's, that's how GM thanks American taxpayers for subsidizing them for all these years, is by closing plants in America and not someplace else. So the president's tweets have, of course, like a lot of people, um, are talking about this story where the three U.S. soldiers were killed in Afghanistan and... Some people are complaining that the president has never visited the U.S. forces overseas. And I can tell you, um, I personally, I think, you know, it's pretty obvious that the president will eventually visit troops overseas. But is that the most important thing that we're facing right now? Is, is that the news that we're all like chomping at the bit trying to figure out? It's... So they're going to sit up and call the president a racist. They're calling uh, Cindy Hyde-Smith a racist, all that good stuff. But they are not going into the the deep dives on news that we need. Like the story that our guest um, Sharika brought up where you've got this amazing uh, fact that we have so many blacks in Libya being sold into slavery. Some of them are actually, as I mentioned, and this is a CNN expose, oddly enough, that sh- that exposed this practice of they basically they say you want to leave your country you want to go to Europe and live well you need to play pay a smuggler so these people will sell everything that they own and that I mean the the house that they live in all their personal possessions they sell everything to get the money needed to make this journey but then they experience difficulties so when they get there the smuggler says. Yeah, you paid me for the journey, but we had difficulties, and now you still owe me this amount of money above and over what you already paid. You got to work this money off. You need to go work at this work camp to fulfill your obligation to me, and then I will complete your journey. And so the people go there, and they end up being tortured, beaten, put into chains, and they have to work, and they, they don't get paid for it. They're working for free, and they're told they can't leave until they fulfill their obligation. And once they've been basically tortured and worked to within an inch of their life, 
They're taken back to the place where the smuggler brought them to. And then they're told, if they survive all of that, that they have to wait in the camp until some refugee agency gives them the opportunity to go to Europe. Very few of them make any in, go any further than that. Can you believe that? And this is going on because of moves made by Hillary Clinton. So I just, it's, it's a, uh, it's a disgusting development that we, we should be hearing more about it in the news, but you know, it could be that they're not reporting on it because they don't care and they don't feel like Americans care. And perhaps Americans aren't very concerned with slavery in Libya. It could very well be that that's the case, but it is something that should be brought up on the news instead of constantly beating this drum about the president being a Nazi and all of these other things, it just doesn't make any sense. So yeah, tomorrow on the show, I want to give you guys a little preview. Tomorrow on, on Wednesday, actually, what's interesting about tomorrow is that I have no idea who our guests are because there aren't any there. But Thursday, we're going to have Maj Touré. He is the founder of Black Guns Matter. He's a Second Amendment activist, frequently on NRA News, uh, NRA TV. And we're also going to have Wesley Wildman, who's the Director of Outreach for American Family Studios and American Family Association. Uh, we're going to be chatting with the two of them on Thursday. And on Friday, we have the Senior Vice President and General Counsel of Coke Industries. That's right. The people who supposedly, according to liberals, paid my salary for years and years and years before I ever got into radio. <laughs> you know, that's not true. He's going to be on the show with us, Mark Holden. So he'll be on with us on Friday. God bless you from the heartland. I hope you have a fantastic evening tonight. Yummy dinner, warm conversation, fun and friends, family. And I'll be back with you tomorrow. God bless. 